to Rick Radio's Community News Desk, episode four. I'm your host, Jennifer Gannon. Later in the podcast, we'll be talking to one of Ringsend's great characters, Tony McDonald, aka Deke Rivers, whose cafe Deke's Diner is located on the roundabout near the East Link Bridge. Uh, it, it's well known throughout the East Coast and beyond, and we'll be catching up with Tony for some great stories and his thoughts about the ever-changing area of Ringsend in Irishtown. But first, we're going to concentrate on International Women's Day, which takes place tomorrow, Tuesday the 8th of March. To celebrate it here in Ringsend Irishtown Community Centre, there's an exhibition that will be taking place in tribute to all women who have lost their lives to male violence since records began in 1996. Joining me now to tell us more are Ringsend and Irishtown Community Centre's own Emer Simmons and Amber McDougall, who worked on the project. We have been really talking a lot, I think, about gender-based violence uh, especially since the murder of Ashton Murphy in January. And I think it's been on everybody's minds a lot. And with this project, what exactly is the, the project about? What what form does it take place? Um, so I suppose, Jen, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, violence against women has become a prevalent issue in society. And I think the death of Ashton affected us all, um, especially women. And um, I suppose the unprovokedness of the attack. And, you know, it really resonated with a lot of women. But we were talking here in the office one day and I suppose we were like you know Ashton isn't the first woman to die by gender-based violence uh, in similar circumstances and there's actually a study done by Women's Age which has been counting statistics of women who've died violently by males since 1996 so that's where we kind of got this idea that when Ashling died and um, you remember the vigils like the mm. media attention that it got and um, there was vigils in New York London America it really like sparked huge attention and like you know I was kind of wondering like you know the other women didn't get this same attention and you know question why and I think these women that have also died they all deserve to be remembered as well so this is kind of a memory thing to all these women Mm. and to learn about their stories educate young people and as Amber will tell you we went through some of the stories it was a research bit so we met a poster for each woman so 244 posters we're still getting through them and it took you know but it was just that all these women that they should be remembered and their stories need to be told so Amber might tell you about some of the posters that we were doing. Yeah, so we don't know the posters, um, but sometimes it was like hard to find what, like about the people because like sometimes like there wasn't pictures of them or like, um, or like not enough research on them, so we couldn't write much on each poster. But we just like tried to make the posters like as colourful as possible with like all the perfect information like that we had. Yeah, and when you're doing the research, when you're looking into like these women, how did that kind of affect? you when you were looking at their stories it just makes you feel real sad because like some of them were only like I don't want that like about a girl and she was only like 19 and then like some of them were like 70 something so just like mad like so there's just a broad spectrum yeah Yeah. and then you were saying about getting the photographs and then some of them weren't available some of them just had no photos and like we couldn't find photos of them anywhere on Google yeah and that's the thing because you're thinking you know it's 
from 1996 is when you're starting from this and it just goes to show you how everything has changed media wise about bringing drawing attention to this issue so this is kind of helping for bring attention to this issue of gender based violence as well yeah that's what I was just like real like weird that only some people had photos yeah it just that struck me as just something that's so sad about like because it, it feels like oh this is not this is not an anomaly this is something that actually yeah. just happens too prevalently it, it happens all the time basically yeah, and those this is it Jen and then I suppose that was as I said where the idea came from because whatever it was about Ashling, she just took off her name was known like globally it went you know what I mm. mean and it was like you know there has been Ashling's not the first woman to die by gender based violence and like the optimist in me would hope that she's the last but the realist is like unless something seriously changed there's going to be more and more women added to this list yeah you know um, which is the sad thing about it you know what I mean that they're really we have to look at how we change attitudes um, at like community level grassroots approaches and also policy levels you know because um, something has to change and I think enough is enough one is obviously enough but mm. when you see there's 244 women and the rest obviously women have died before 1996 as this well. is just the records we but have this is just the records we yeah. have based on women's aid but like there's numerous cases before that as well and like you know if you look at how the women died I mean some of them were horrific um, weren't they Amber you know yeah some of them were really bad you know like we were doing and someone like oh god I got a bad one and we were like but they're all bad because mm. they all ultimately ended in a woman's death yeah you know sisters like a lot of them were mothers you know leaving behind children a few of the cases you'll remember like some of them did draw media attention like Clodagh Howe who she was murdered with her children yeah you know then you look at the other cases like Elaine O'Hara and Acrisia all these women and some of them as I said got media attention but some of them didn't mm. so this is equality that we're treating all these women like they all died and they all the deserve of male violence and they all deserve to be recognised because I suppose the meaning of International Women's Day would be it's to recognise and celebrate women and the changes that women have achieved over the years in terms of social, political and cultural change. When you look at like the marriage referendum and the repeal the eighth, the marriage bar, access to contraception. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that there's still a long way we need to go in terms of achieving gender equality. And I suppose we also have to look and acknowledge that there is inequalities that exist for women and the oppressions of women and also the struggles of women in society that it's not all happy, happy, like, you know, women still mm. have serious issues. And I think it's important, um, especially, like, it's great getting the young people involved and also young men. We had some conversations, young men. We got some young men to make posters with us for this exhibition. And, and how did they feel about it? How did you think they felt about it when they were looking at these stories? I think they were just, like, real, like, in, like, shock or something, like, as if, like, it wasn't even a big thing mm. until, like, they actually, like, learned more about it. Mm. Yeah, because that's the thing. I think a lot of the time with these cases especially the ones that you're saying that are highly publicised it ends up being the perpetrator that whose name you know and it's the women's whose names are lost so yeah, I mean yeah. it's kind of about yeah. reclaiming that for them like that yeah. their own space and they were a, a person as you said that lived a full life like exactly and I think the reaction like some of the young men when we 
you were doing it. I remember one of them turns around and looks, someone did that to my wife. I'd batter him or my girlfriend. I was like, well, hold on. That's not the answer. You can't be violence with violence. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's the initial reaction. And like, okay, that's good that you feel that way. But obviously you don't need to act on it. And it's about, if you feel that way, well, you need to challenge your mates when your mates are catcalling women, when your mates are in their WhatsApp group sending like, you know, texts about women in a derogatory way. Mm. That's how you start it. That it doesn't escalate to like a woman actually being killed. That's, Do you know what I mean? You have I, to challenge it at the bottom level. And I think that's the most important thing. And how did you feel, Amber? Like, do you feel now after taking part in this project and has it changed your mind in any way about how you view the world in in that way? Like when you see these things well, yeah, happening? Yeah, because like some of the people were like their own family members that were like like murdering them and all like so it's mad to think like that someone that you actually know like can be like such a cruel person and actually do something like that so it just makes you think like that like you could walk by somebody in the street and like they could actually like they could have like killed a girl or something or like done something really bad to them so it makes you feel like that it's you know we're kind of it's treated as normal in a way and that's that's the worrying thing as well that yeah. you're just like this is a kind of expected that there will be like this violence against women will take place which is yeah. you know it's hard and does it like when you're doing this project and you see the work that you're putting into it and the work that you can see that women's aid do or are you optimistic about the future when you're hanging around with like your friends that are boys do you feel optimistic about men getting the message or how do you feel um I don't, like i don't really know but it's like um it's just like i don't really know yeah you think well it's gonna take time yeah yeah but do you have now that like you've done this project do you feel more comfortable talking with like your friends that are boys about this kind of these kind of issues and the issues that the problems that you would have yeah yeah which is great because I think that's another thing like you were saying it opens the conversation yes. and that's what you need yeah. and you, you need it in a place where you don't feel like you know as a man you're going to be you know basically browbeaten or whatever it's just a space to kind of open up and go these are these women's stories and maybe you're not aware of them that kind of thing yes exactly I think that's it and I mean look I'm not condoning violence like we do have conversations with young men all the time mm. like one time a young man comes up and you know oh it's never right to hit a woman I'm like well no it's never right to hit anyone, anyone. <laughs> You know what I mean? Violence is wrong. But we cannot ignore the gender issue when we look at these statistics. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And um, we're not saying like that women don't be violent and we're not saying that men aren't victims of violence. But obviously for this specific study and for the day that's in it, it's International Women's Day, it has to be um, the gender issue. And we cannot do that without looking at the control and the power issue between men and women yeah. um, and the how it plays out and ultimately has ended in like numerous deaths, as yeah. we've discussed, you know. And like we, the thing is, we can't end obviously gender-based violence without getting men involved. So exactly. the thing is, they have to be included in the discussions. It may be International Women's Day, but we would encourage men and women to come down and view yes. this exhibition because it is so powerful. It's it, there's something about I went up to look at it, and there's something about just seeing all those names and all those photographs and the the memories of these women as full, you know, vivacious human beings to be just destroyed by, you know just taking their lives taken away from them that is is just so affecting and I would encourage anybody to to come and look at it because I think it is a great piece of work that you know really shines a light on Ireland as a country and how hopefully like you would hope that our attitudes are beginning to change 
Um, so thanks very much for coming in and talking about it. So everyone, come into the community centre. It's there uh, tomorrow from tomorrow, International Women's Day, and it's 244 reasons to end gender-based violence. Thanks. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. My thanks again to uh, Emer and Amber for coming in and having a chat with us about that really important exhibition. You're listening to Rick Radio's Community News Desk podcast. Next, uh, we took a trip down to the local legend, Tony MacDonald, a.k.a. Deke Rivers, at his diner that um, has had press from everywhere, from the Irish Times to on, he's been on TV as well. And basically, we just had this wide ranging chat about the area itself and what is changing about Ringsend in Irishtown. And, you know, Deke is a character and he had a lot of opinions and a lot of stuff to say about the local area itself. You will be basically here in Ringsend, a, a local legend, would say. And you're here, your past is kind of your chef on the boats in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. Well, I trained as a chef starting off at the Clonic Court Hotel and uh, done an apprenticeship. And then I heard about the ships being, you know, um, you know, last thought about where they were, what countries they were and all that. And I said, I'd love to have a go at that. So I tried to go into ships and I ended up as a cook on the ships all over the world. And what was that like? Was, yeah, that sort of thing. I can cook as well. <laughs> and I had many, I had many digging matches too. Because you had to make, you see, you had to be able to go toe to toe with certain people around the dock, dock work and ships. And if you couldn't stand your ground, you wouldn't last in that community. So once you've done it once and you defended yourself or had a real or didn't match uh, that was kind of the end of it you know? they knew where, where you were in the status and the pecking order yeah. but especially on a ship uh, before the people on the ship you've got a tough men you know yeah. but you got to know very quickly how to look at yourself and what gave you the idea to start this diner then here I was uh, because you've been here now what now 20 years, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. I was a citizen man in Dublin Port uh, in Dublin Port Ferry Terminal and um, I kind of felt that was getting mundane and repetitive and once the challenge goes out of something I kind of move on and I have done that all my life you know I've never really stuck to it too long but um, as he says here 20 years but that was the last step but anyway I always want to work for myself but as it turned out my mother uh, who was getting on years she got very sick and she was getting Alzheimer's and I knew that the time would come that I would have to care for her so I put all that together and uh, Asked Dublin Park, could I get in here with just a small cabin and uh, just do some breakfast rolls? And at the times, at that time, it was working very good. Mm. And I went to all the way up to three staff. But, um, you know, it's all settled back now because this, all the trucks are digitalized. They can't stop anymore. And if they stop, they know exactly where they are and what they're doing there. And everything's monitored, you know. Mm. So the spontaneity of this place has, has kind of gone. And, you know, uh, you don't get the, the turnover, the people stopping. I don't have any footfall. It's just all transport. Yeah. But it suits me. It's just myself here. You don't have any footfall, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like a destination venue yeah. for Yeah, I get people. people like, I come from Clans Yeah. for four hot dogs and <laughs> people from Cork saying, is this these diner? And there's always this little photographic opportunity. Yeah, They exactly. want to get in with me. There's a bit of something that I do. They see it, but I don't see it, but they... They find it iconic or something. But well, there's something original about it because I think yeah. a lot of, these days, a lot of restaurants and cafes that are springing up across Dublin, they're trying to replicate what you have naturally, as in yeah. 
they'll go, we're very unique, we're doing stuff in like a, an abandoned caravan or something yeah. like that. Whereas this is very natural to you as in setting it up. So you're the kind of original in a way. Just the first real container type business, yeah. And uh, I got this container in, it was a result of me being a Republican, it's a result of the peace process. So we're actually sitting in the next British Army container that used to be protected from the snipers. So how ironic is that? Okay. So uh, I'll think of that when I'm sitting here and um, taking a bit of Irish history, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Like, you also work for a youth program as well. Yeah, I'm involved in, uh, I suppose, in my younger days, I was a bit of a black man, a bit of a wagon. I got myself arrested a few times and uh, it was kind of a guard that had a good word at me and kind of turned me around in the direction I should have went. And after that, I started getting involved with clubs and stuff like that. And I quite enjoyed it. I was in the St. own Club and St. Lawrence's own Club and um, Bridge United Football Club and generally just enjoyed the whole idea of, you know, being involved in the community. Yeah. And I still... I keep trying to get out of it. I I got (laughs) dragged back into the Stocklands and I only actually sponsored a set of jerseys for a seven side. And then they said, Deke, what's the chance of us going full-time? I said, I look into it. And I did. And I said, I I made them all officers of the club, the younger people, so they passed the baton on. But um, they they dropped off and I ended up doing all the stuff myself, as usual. (laughs) Even putting the nets out. But me and Nola Dunn does that and you know, the older kids jump in. And that worries me. Mm. Is that there's not there's no one to hand the baton over to. Yeah. I would love to step back right now. I just let someone else be more responsible and take over the club. And do you think like people are getting involved post lockdown or or is it just what the mindset's changed? Because yeah. you've seen kind of the changes of Rings End over the years, like especially from being right here, like in the Docklands, like and how do you think that has affected young people? Yeah, it's the intrinsic value that you give to your community. It's not commercial. It's not... Everything now is, like, wrapped up or throw away. Like, and all computer games. And there's a start and a finish. And let's rewind and start again. Um, when you're running football, it's not like that. Mm. You have to do it with a passion and a love of what you're doing. And um, that's how you end up winning the, winning the Cup or a league. And Dylan would know exactly what I'm talking about. It's in you. And you can't, it's either in you or it's not. You can't, you can't get it into you. It's part of your, who you are. And you, you love to see people do well. And if you've been part of that, whether you're marking the pitch or carrying the water bottles, it doesn't matter. You're part of it. Mm. And we see a lot of that has disappeared and it's just uh, wash and go, I call them. <laughs> they just come down, play the match and off they go. They don't care. Pay that tenor. And how it, how it happens doesn't bother them. And they don't want to learn either, you know. And do you think that's because, like, Ring's End has changed, Ring's End and Irish Town have changed so much in the past 20 years, or oh, yeah. what do you think? Well, there is a new community down in Ring's End and Irish Town. And people are not very careful. It would be swallowed up. They'll look around one day and find they own nothing, they have nothing, and all their traditional clubs and the people before them that are gone, including myself or, uh, or we say, Boy Morphy, and lots of people that... They were all great people for community and kept at it. But if you don't carry on and have someone to pass the baton on to, we are only the caretakers of what we have. We don't own anything. You know, it's all done by um, constitution and 
uh, club membership in other books. It's, it's so important that our own people get more involved. And what can people do to get involved? How, how do you think people... Just start talking, come down, give a hand mark and a picture. Come down and... I mean, I think it was, in particular, you know, just see why they don't do a fine job, I have to say. And uh, there's six teams up there and they're, they're really great facilities and, you know, stay the yard, jewel the crown, mm. sort of stuff. And um, But there's not many other clubs like us that will take the, the off-fall from people that don't necessarily qualify for maybe a higher standard of football. So we kind of say it was that community as well, yeah. in Division 3, you know. Mm. So it's about, like, kind of preserving what we have, like, that we don't realise maybe what we have because, you know, as things have gone on and you see places like Google coming in and kind of yeah. making their mark here, but we don't realise how good that we have it in the community, maybe. Yeah, kind of a bit of a... They have now come and supported... Uh, Community initiatives now in recent times, and I welcome that, you know. And uh, for a big, without corporate uh, social and um, responsibility, yeah. which is part of their budgets now, uh, we would be lost. Mm. We, we we couldn't survive without Dublin Port, Google, and people like that, and Kilsarn. And they've all helped us out to start this club up and get a few quid off them. And like, even a small junior club, you're talking about a base of eight to nine thousand. Just to get torn out of that, just to be uh, compliant with insurance and all the things. And everyone wants to be well dressed and they want tracksuits and tops and Gucci gear and everything <laughs> playing even football. You know? <laughs> but, but the younger days, they never, we hadn't got a, a, a the, the rings out phrase would be, we hadn't got up hot to piss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I think that's the thing is that we need to realize that it goes hand in hand. Do you know where that pot of pissing came from? It came from tanneries, right? That used to save your piss and sell it to the tannery. And some people hadn't got a pot to hold their piss. So that's how pure they were. They were piss pure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know where I got that one from. <laughs> it's fucking there. So yeah, it's just about like trying to make sure that we have something to work towards in the future. That's what... Yeah, I think, you know, how would you hold it? It's even in the fishing club. I run a small fishing club here as well called Raytown Angling. And I noticed that the young people, they don't, what would have been table talk and pillow talk, we say, for instance, years ago. They, well, hello. You'd, you'd, you'd have to explain bell and stern and, you know, yeah. and, uh, the, the parts of a boat. Whereas the younger fellas, years ago, they would know that's the gunnel, that's the bell, that's the stern. Now you actually have to show them what's the pointy end and what's the back end. <laughs> and they were like part of our, what the indigenous people here knew, and they knew all about fishing. Now we sometimes be lads of fishing, they'd be wanting to put plastic gloves on them. You know, yeah. I remember making a, uh, we were out there, got a few mackerel one day, and uh, done quite well. And I uh, had the, the stove on the, on the boat and threw the mackerel on, got them, cleaned them, put them in, got a breakfast roll like that, threw it in. So they read that. He said, I'm not eating that, that'll come straight out of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted breadcrumbs on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted it in the process of plants yeah, first yeah, yeah. and then have it. That's it. But it's all changed. And it's like I say, I, Jimmy Murray tries very hard down there as well to keep some of our traditions going. And, and you know, then the same with the football. Football down here is phenomenal hmm. for, for the amount of people that come out of this town and went on football, you know, 40 years ago. The names are just everywhere, you know, and Rovers and the Irish team and all that. I think that people don't understand that what we do have is special and people 
right now in Dublin, there like our corporations, their businesses that are trying to replicate that authenticity that we have here. And I don't think that we realize it. Like if you look at something like you were involved in the kin was shot here. And yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, and what was that like? Just to see like that. Oh, that was good, yeah. And um, they just I didn't realize they were going to use it for a kind of drug deal or whatever going on. Yeah. Should take the money and run. That's what I say. We're not uh, all gangsters. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the sun's on a feature on it, and they they doing all sorts of things. Uh, just go to the hatch there, please. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. But they've done a lot of movies and uh, kind of videos here and over the years. And, yeah. It's because people want the that's what I'm saying, that authenticity about here. Yeah. And but like maybe they're not necessarily investing in that. And that's the thing that we're trying to say that if you don't have places like this, we're losing our I've said before, we probably over the years and all the community workers have a part of playing this and we've made the place so attractive to live in that we actually can't afford to live in it ourselves. And that's true, sports initiatives and all the other initiatives like even Dennis uh, Roxville. Because they're so active, they're not the crime rate's low, the drug rates are comparatively low, and the people building uh, properties look at the statistics of the area and say, "Oh, there's a nice place to go. There's a place we can build. It's already made." Also, we build all the facilities. We have GEA clubs, we have rowing clubs, we have fishing clubs, we have uh, yacht clubs, all that sort of thing, ready to make good school system. So we we are in danger of. Um, breaking the very thing we, we we created. And we're pushing out the people that actually made the area what yeah, it is. Well, we're getting we're them behind. Yeah, we're getting priced. Yeah. So the indigenous people are going to be living in Mead and Kildare and everywhere else and we'll have a memory of their granny down here and all this will be taken over by a new diaspora from um, Dublin and elsewhere. Who may or may not get involved or want to get involved in keeping the preserving the community. Well, it's rather recognised in some clubs now that there is a push to 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 to, to kind of not necessarily remove locals, but they're not encouraging locals in as much as they should. I'm not going to name uh, associations, but it's the danger of where we are. With the, it's, I prefer to see integration than segregation, mm. but we are in danger of losing all our our young people. Yeah, if they don't. Like well, if we, especially live, the, the other aspect is social housing. There is no, there's yeah. barely any, and so, we're, we're going to be here now, yeah. and then there's going to be the new plot. Yeah, but is it affordable? No. I mean, is it really? You see, education is a key as well. And, you know, I've always said you can educate an intelligent poor people as quick as you can educate intelligent rich people. It's just a matter of where you come from and the opportunities you get. But that's what we have to look at. The basis of our education system in Rings End and that we can produce people for Google and for the corporates around the area instead of farming out to people from uh, other countries. Mm. And as well, you're talking about clinging on to, you know, community-based events and, and community-based support. But there's also, you find, there's locals clinging on to their properties like never before because they don't want to have to sell up. They want to be able to give it to their kids or, or their grandkids as well. And that's a huge thing, like you're saying, in Rims and, and Irish Town because the market, the property market is crazy. And there's a sense of desperation about that as well, I feel. There is, and property owners are relatively new to inner city working class people. Yeah. And in general, you know, it's a very big struggle for anybody with a mortgage. 
to try and maintain that over the years. But I just I don't know what really to, to put the answer. A lot of the answer is in uh, keeping a percentage of our people here and making sure a lot of the property and housing is for our young people coming through. Yeah. Otherwise, we lose the whole meaning of what Rings End is. It would be a distant memory. And we don't want to just concentrate on the negative. So is there anything that you are optimistic about when you see it? Is there anything around that you see that you go, well, yeah. maybe we're not in such a well, state? I think there's been a great move for younger people to higher education. And a lot of people come back to me, and a lot of younger people come back to me, and they say, uh, do you mind getting me a degree? And you would never hear that word 30 years ago. And now you're hearing it more often. You know, a degree in the master's, and say, well, you know, fantastic. All I can say is, well done. Because that has been something that is a game changer. And if you can educate our people, which, which it is happening a bit, not as much. I remember a doctor in the flats, the other from there, uh, uh, Bourne, Paddy Bourne's younger. And he was eight, about eight years longer trying to become a doctor than anybody else. I mean, we are all proud of him. Yeah. He was the only doctor I ever came to yeah. You know, but it took him 15 years yeah. of his life to qualify. Yeah. Whereas if you're well-heeled, your name is down in Blackrock College or somewhere else there, yes. and you're already moving through the system. And it's who you know, as we all It know. is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's part of it. But it's like, possibly about employing what you have then, if you have come from this background and employing those degrees and employing those skills, and bringing them back to the community. Yeah, we, were, we were kind of manually based labour. Very left school at 12, 13, went on the docks, you were handed a big shovel, and you, that's how you got through life. And they never got the opportunities to be educated. So it was all dock work. You went to the docks or the ships or uh, gas company, all utilities, ESB, all these sort of jobs, that's what you're doing around here. Mm. And the bottle glass making. Yeah. So there wasn't an awful lot of scope. And the meat, the meat factory. Meat factory's not yeah. right. They're all hard manual labour. Mm. And the life expectancy was about 55 to 60, if you were lucky. A lot of uh, industrial borne diseases, uh, lung diseases, yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, that's all improved. And the age, that's, that's a good thing that's improved. Yeah. So th there is hope for the future. Ah, there <laughs> is a hope. But it's all about, like I say, we understand there are new people in the area. Stop looking inwardly, look outwardly. Yeah, and yeah, bring them with you because the journey is there. We, but, but we both have to get on the train together exactly. and arrive at the destination. Yeah. And if we don't do that, um, someone's getting left behind. Thanks again to Deke for fitting us into his very busy schedule. Uh, so as we said, if you ever want to drop in for a tea or a coffee, he's down there by the East Link in his very famous diner. Um, also, thanks to Amber and Emer from Ringsend and Irish Town Community Centre for talking to us about the exhibition. Don't forget to tune into our Women's Day podcast tomorrow at 12 noon. Also, as ever, thanks to Dylan on sound and editing. From myself, Jennifer Gannon, take care, have a nice week and we'll be back on Monday with more community news. Thank you.